Happy New Year and a very warm welcome back to another episode of Went to Mo Kings Meadow, the podcast that talks exclusively about the Chelsea FC women's team. I'm your host, Dean, and on this week's show, in part one, we talk all things Chelsea pride and homophobia in football. In part two, we round up the latest news from Kings Meadow over the festive period and catch up on the latest transfer news. In part three, we look ahead to our next fixture against Reading. And in part four, we've got your wish list for the team in 2021. This is episode seven of Went to Mo Kings Meadow, entitled Chelsea Pride. Uh, before we get started, we need your help as always to spread the word about this podcast. So if you enjoy what you hear, tag us in a tweet, share us on Instagram, or how about leaving a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts as it helps other supporters find the show. We'd really appreciate your support. Now, joining me this week, as ever, is my wonderful co-host Jane, who celebrated her 18th birthday on New Year's Eve. Jane, happy birthday, happy new year. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Did you have a nice birthday? Yeah, it was it was definitely weird. It was weird not to do anything or see anyone, but it was different. I did manage to get a little birthday surprise message from our new favourite Chelsea player, Charlotte Wardlaw. Um, I know, I saw that. I was like, oh my God, I was quite shocked. I just messaged every Chelsea player on Instagram. She was the only one that responded. Better than nothing. Now, since you're finally an adult in the big, brave world that we live in, I thought we should talk about some serious subjects straight away. Um, and joining us this week to talk all things Chelsea Pride and homophobia in football is Tracy Brown. Uh, Tracy, thanks for joining us. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Um, thank you for having me. Um, also, uh, belated happy 18th birthday. Oh, to be 18 again. Um, <laughs> um, but yes, I'm sure when we're out of this horrible lockdown, you would just have a massive big party, just belated, I can imagine. Yeah, I'm making the most of it. I've still got presents turning up. I've still got stuff due that still isn't turning up. <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to make the most of every day. Just yes. have my birthday all year long. <laughs> that works. Sounds like a good plan. Uh, before we get started, I want to touch on the Karen Carney incident that happened um, since we've recorded um, with Leeds. I think, you know, it'd be remiss of us not to, to discuss it briefly. Um, you know, quite disgusting, really, what Leeds did with their Twitter. You know, the, the point she makes is actually very valid. Um, you know, if anyone follows Leeds or Championship football, you know, the year before they got promoted, they were, you know, running away with it and hit a wall um, physically. They, they couldn't carry on with the tactics that their manager wanted. And the season that they got promoted, the COVID break, allowed them the, to refresh. And so she was making a valid point. And for them to, to call her out like that in a clip that takes all the way, all the context and opened her up to sort of horrendous abuse, um, which, you know, we want to rid, I think we rid that with get rid of Twitter, unfortunately. Um, Tracy, what did you make of that sort of situation? I was disgusted. Um, okay, obviously when you look at pundits, majority, majority of the pundits are obviously ex-footballers. And every single one of them is there to give an opinion. As simple as. You then don't expect a club, an actual football club, to then pinpoint just a small part of the conversation and then put the video online just to incite trouble did they not think there was not going to be a backlash and of course the backlash is worse because it's a it's a female pundit um i'm still disgusted to the to this moment i still am and the fact that 
The Twitter account was then closed because of the abuse online. Instagram has actually been closed down to comments. I don't blame her for having to do that, but it should never have happened to begin with. Um, so no, I'm, I'm still extremely disappointed. And Lee's haven't exactly taken the tweet down or done anything really. And that again, in its, in its own right, is disgraceful. Yeah, they said they, they reached out to Karen and if they think they need to reach out to her, then why would you not sort of delete your tweet and issue an apology that way? Um, exactly. To be fair, it's ridiculous. Jane, any thoughts on, on that? Um, do, you, do you use social it's just, media it's a not bit? Nice. It's not nice to see it happen. Obviously, a former Chelsea player, it's just horrible to see her get the abuse she got. Like Pundits are paid to have their opinion on the game. And that was her opinion, which she said... Rightly, and like Tracy said, for a club to come out with the way they did, you'd you could expect it off like fans, but for a club to put it over social media was even worse. Yeah, sending um big love and support to Karen. Um, you know, we value your opinion, and you know it's refreshing to see you know people giving an opinion, not just boring old cliches all the time. And you know she's been back on BT Sport since. Uh, Jake Humphrey did a lovely piece to camera about the incident. Um, you know, hopefully it doesn't happen again anytime soon or in the future. Um, let's get into the show then, looking at Chelsea Pride. Uh, Tracy, before we start, we have a little tradition that we've started seven weeks in. Every time we have a guest on, they talk us through their Chelsea history, how they got into the team, and then how they got into Chelsea women in particular. Um, so the floor is yours. Well, thanks for that. Um, <laughs> OK, well, how did I get into Chelsea? OK, I was quite young actually, and uh, both my parents were uh, Arsenal supporters. And um, yeah, my dad was born around sort of the area. And to be quite honest, I really disliked them a lot. And I'm an only child, so it broke my father's heart. Um, and he had to start taking me to see Chelsea at a really young age, which wasn't really good for him. Um, so to be quite honest, my love for them was, oh, we're going back now. I mean, I was religiously going to Stamford Bridge for maybe the, for myself from about the age of 16. So really, it's a long, long time ago, sort of 94, sort of showing my age. Um, I suppose for the women's team, I maybe started supporting them maybe about 10 years ago, um, following them since sort of 2015, and the double, I think I followed them a lot closer. And in recent years, I mostly I would say I follow them just as much as the men's the men's team. Um, don't get down to King's Meadow as much as I'd like to, but uh, for me, it they're, they're just as important. So for me, it, it's definitely been that that double winning moment. I think in 2015 was the thing that sort of sold it for me. The women's game. Um, I'm too old to have played professionally myself. Football uh, wasn't around for me the same as it is for for young girls and women now. Um, that's why I, I sort of I did play for some teams, but nothing uh, on a professional level, which is gutting. So it's fantastic to see the women's game growing from strength to strength, and that's that sort of that's pulling me into watch it more. Just seeing where it's where it's going, how it's growing, and what more what more could be done with the women's game. I think um, I think we've still got a long way to go in this country, but I think we'll get there in the end. Yeah, personally myself, really brought into the club sort of one club, one vision sort of policy and yeah. the amount of stuff they're putting out there. I mean, it's impossible to miss the women's team now. Um, so you go to both Stamford Bridge and Kings Meadow. Yep. Do you have sort of a, a favourite ground, a better atmosphere? They're so different. 
they're so different. They really are. It's two completely same team, two different worlds. Um, I got some men's games more, mainly because it's easier for me to get to. Um, it's easier for me to get to Stanford Bridge than it is to get to, to Kings Meadow. Um, but do I like watching both. It's difficult. It's difficult to pull them apart. I would say I enjoy watching them equally. You can stay on the fence. That's fun. I'll sit on the fence. <laughs> uh, you mentioned the, the double in 2015. Is that sort of been the, the best memory, best highlight? Or is there any others that you could put into the mix? Um, for me, that was the first big highlight for me. I think that's, that was the one that sort of really, really drew me into really focusing on our women's team. So maybe that, I mean, yeah, I mean, I was, you know, the last time we was at Wembley, I suppose that crowd, because I've forgotten what crowds are like at football anymore. <laughs> to, be, to be fair, it feels like such a long time ago. So yeah, I'd mostly stick with the 2015 double. It was a fantastic double. And it, going on to sort of the players, who's your sort of favourite player of all time and favourite player now? Oh, favourite player of all time. Oh, favourite player now? It's, it's a toss-up between Millie and Wrighton. Oh, everyone tends to go for the, all the normal sort of the strikers because it just seems to be the one thing most people go for. Um, and I don't. Of all time... I do like Carney, but I would say that because she's our patron. So <laughs> I don't even, we've got so many, it's difficult to pull them apart, to be fair. Okay, fair enough. Um, let's talk about uh, Chelsea Pride now. Um, so could you sort of give us an overview on sort of how it started, how you got involved and what you do as a group? Okay, so I mean, when for, for me, being in football, my journey didn't actually start with, with uh, running the supporters group for Chelsea, actually. Um, a friend of mine decided to start up a an LGBTQ supporters group for Portsmouth FC and I, I helped her set that up and then she said why don't you go to your own club so back in 2016 I contacted Chelsea direct and said have you ever thought of setting up a, a supporters club for for the LGBTQ community and someone had already contacted the club um, by the name of Ed Connell um, and he hadn't really done much with it because it's a lot of work that needs to be undertaken to start up something so originally we worked together as I say 2016 to now we're still doing a lot of work and still doing a lot of work with the club and finding our feet but basically the group is there to help say help maybe support people who are part of that community who who don't like going to the football on their own definitely more the men's game I would say than the women's game um, people who, who really like football but wouldn't have someone to go with um, as part of that community, they support one club or love football, um, and they want they want to feel like they belong to something. And that's literally why we started. Um, we're bigger than the reason we started. Now that we work with with all the other supporters groups, we work with very closely with the club. We work very closely doing things like the Stonewall Rainbow Laces campaign, working with football v homophobia, Pride in football, and every year, obviously, we do London Pride, which got cancelled last year because of covid um so we're more than just a football fan group now we're a community group and it isn't just for members of the lgbtq community it's actually for our friends our family our allies it's just that's what the group is predominantly based around but it really is for anyone we're a family knit run group 
Um, and there's, there's, there's a crossover between our fans and our members and the members for the Chelsea Women's Sports Group because they, they, we have members who are in both groups. So um, there's definitely a crossover there. Yeah, I mean, that's like the, what to touch on next, really. Um, from someone who's sort of new to the women's game, it, it feels a lot more inclusive to everybody. And I know there's been issues not too long in the past in the men's game where there's been hostility towards Chelsea Pride and, and having that you know, front and centre of, of the club. Um, is that, do you agree with it being more open and inclusive to the women's game compared to the men's? And sort of why, think, why is the reasoning for that? Um, it is more inclusive in the women's game. Generally, it just is. Um, in the men's game, obviously, we don't have an alpha male football player, professional level football player. And you look at our women's team, our women's team exclusively has an abundance uh, of um, members from the, the LGBTQ community, as well as a couple, which I still think is fantastic. Um, and you don't obviously have that openness in the men's team. And because you don't have that openness in men's football, you have a lot of bigotry in the crowd. And that bigotry isn't just based around homophobia anyway. I think there's just more discrimination in men's football as a whole than there is in the women's, uh, in the women's game. Um, reason being, um, I just think within, within the society, within women's sports, there is more openness I will say that it can flip the other way. If you're a professional woman in sport, you will get this. You'll get told, oh, you must be a lesbian then because you're a professional sports person. Where you would never say to a man who's in professional sport, oh, you must be gay because they can't be gay, but women have to be gay to play in sport. So the divide is still slightly there, but it's at the opposite ends of the scale. Yeah, you mentioned um, the couple there, and that's sort of the next topic on the on the list. Sort of, there's not one openly gay male player for yeah. Chelsea. You've got the captain and their star signing, their biggest player now, openly in the couple. The club put them on social media a, a lot, which is is excellent. Do you think you know, that's important to make sort of that? I don't want to say the norm, but the norm is the worst phrase I can think of in my head in terms of, you know, there are a couple, you know, you not need to discuss it. You just know that it's open. It's there. It's, it's nothing out of the ordinary. I think, I think it was very clever of the clubs who actually put it out there because I remember for rainbow laces this year, um, when the club do what they always do, make their, their logo go rainbow for, for the, that two-week period or the day, depending on how they do it. There was quite a few comments. under. So I get, I'm, I'm used to the abuse you get under the men's, the, the men's um, team when they do it. The club tend to ignore a lot of it. If it gets really severe, they will do something about it, report, etc. But it's a lot of the standard sort of abuse. But there was quite a lot under the women's team and I don't normally jump on things like this because it's not worth wasting your time but when you get a load of homophobic abuse on the women's one you're like you know nothing about our club then nothing because not only do we have a captain who is openly gay and our partner is open in the club we have other players in the team that were also openly gay they are not the only two if you're going to sit on there and and abuse our team you are not a supporter of our team and you're definitely not a supporter of our captain um, I think it's great that the club promote them and it, reason, a good reason 
about promoting it is education and I think that is how you change everyone's point of view and it isn't just about if you're gay or not it's about the color of your skin your religion your sex it's all of it I think discrimination is only broken down if we hold conversations yeah I know the club has um an inclusiveness officer I think that's the term they use for them um obviously do a lot around sort of Stonewall and they did a lot we mentioned anti-semitism they did lots of educational drives um i went on the trip to auschwitz in 2019 i think did I? Um, I went as well I went yeah. On the trip. yeah uh obviously very eye-opening to go to a place like that and sort of i understood anti-semitism before that but if you didn't then you can't leave that place not knowing that do you think there's more the club could do to drive sort of educating people on homophobia and the effects of it and why it's wrong because there's still obviously lots of people that that don't understand it and don't agree with it unfortunately um i could think you could say the same about racism as well unfortunately um yes do i think the club could do more i know the club do a lot internally i've worked with a lot i've worked with internal managers who've run campaigns for staff when we've done pride we actually had members of staff with us at london pride when it comes to um, training um, staff on match days, you think of stewarding, all of the main head stewards have all had training on homophobia, transphobia. They've all had that training. That training does continue to go on behind the scenes. I think every club could still do more. I don't, I don't think a campaign run for two weeks a year is enough. I think it should be run every single day of the year. But you could say the same for all of these things for Black History Month, why is it just a month? LGBT History Month, why is it just a month? This is something that we should be focusing on all year round. Um, you, you can't just you know, wave a banner and say, let's just stop this for two weeks a year. It has to be on a more permanent basis. But that's, I think that's all clubs. I think when you, you can't just do it on a, a short campaign. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, so we mentioned Stonewall and the Rainbow Laces campaign. Um, Maybe you could give the listeners a bit of a background as to, you know, firstly, what Stonewall is, in case they don't know. And secondly, that campaign, what it's all about and what it hopes to achieve. So Stonewall themselves are, cha- are a charity. Um, they started, oh, I'm trying to think, I think 1989, I think they were founded. Um, and basically they, they were there originally as an equality charity to, to change people's rights and to fight for people's rights. Since their, their start, obviously, they've, they've, they've gone in to do a lot more work. So they do a lot of work uh, around education, um, as well, obviously, as the Stonewall um, Rainbow Laces campaign. Um, that started um, five years ago, the Stonewall Rainbow Laces campaign. And the whole point was to highlight LGBTQ people within sport and obviously make it that you're open honest you can be your authentic self and that's extremely important because i can't imagine what it would be like to be a player in anything or a sports person in any way or shape or form who has to hide who they truly are that has to affect you physically when you're playing a game or in a sport that has to affect you as a person the whole point of the stonewall rainbow laces campaign is to highlight the people who are out and and support them and with the support of them you help everyone else who's going to land up hopefully coming out and breaking down those barriers 
in years to come, you won't need to come out. I mean, it's, I mean, and people go, well, you come out once, you don't. You come out to every person you meet. It's a continuous thing. Oh, so you're gay. Oh, so you're gay. Oh, so, and it is a continuous thing. So it'd be lovely to get to the day and age. I don't think I'll even be around where that isn't, that isn't something you need to do. But that's the importance of things like Stonewall Rainbow Laces. It, it raises, um, and because it's so visible, because you can physically see it, it raises a great awareness. Yeah, we'll leave um, sort of links in the description for, for Stonewall and the Rainbow Laces campaign so you can find any more information you want there. Um, Jane, just to bring you in uh, on this debate or discussion rather than a debate, um, social media, the club posts Stonewall when it happens. Uh, the men's, as we sort of mentioned already, tons and tons of responses anti this campaign. Why are you doing it? It's, they say it's disgusting. Don't agree with it. Um, the women's not as much but I noticed some I look back to sort of prep for this and there was some um, so what sort of you make of of that sort of response online is it just an online bravado do you think the club or the social media companies can do more I think no matter where it is you're always going to get them people that aren't they don't agree with it and they don't like it even if it's off of social media, you'll get it. You'll get it wherever you go, really. You're always going to get that group of people that are just like, no, it's not right. But there's nothing wrong with being gay. And like, it is, I've not noticed it much on like the women's social media, but you do get that odd comment that is on there. And it's just not nice to see. Uh, and Tracy, obviously, with things that have happened in recent years in society, stuff like Brexit, we've seen sharp rises in discrimination against, you know, ethnic minorities and people coming into the country to build a better life, being openly told now in public, people are feeling brave enough to say, uh, go home, go back to your own country because they feel in that empowered by what they're seeing in mainstream media. As someone personally believed that anti like homophobia and stuff has been getting better obviously i'm not gay myself so i don't know firsthand that account has it been a change in recent years with the way society has changed is it do you feel like it's getting worse or is it the same level as it sort of has been do you notice in it um i would say it's difficult to say a couple of years ago i would have said we were going in a better direction I think when it comes to reporting it, the figures look higher, but I think that's because more people now will report it because they're tired of hearing it. So I think when you're looking at the numbers when it comes to people reporting it, and it looks like homophobia within football can be looking like it's on the rise, I do think it's because more people now are sick to death of hearing certain comments and they'll pull up someone for saying it. I do think the likes of Brexit made a huge impact on society as, an, as a whole because it brought out the bigots. In, in, and if you don't like one, you're not going to like a lot of things. So if you don't like black people, you're not going to like gay people, and you're just going to scream and abuse for everything. Um, and yes, I do think from Brexit, it was slightly on the rise. Again, I would say, and I, I know that you do have homophobic comments at, at the women's game, it, you do still get it. It's very, it's very slight in comparison to the men's game, but it does happen. Um, the men's game is, is definitely going to be an issue and you're not going to get a male gay footballer to come out when you're going to have 40, 50, 60,000 fans 
screaming what you can just imagine they would have screamed at them, to be fair. And by the way, we, we will have gay male footballers in this country, in, in teams. And their teammates will mostly know, their managers will mostly know, backroom staff. But are the public going to know? I'm not even sure it's safe enough, to be fair. Yeah, which is obviously you know, disgusting when you when you put it out like that. It's you know horrible to think that someone can't be their true selves because of you know the the bigoted views of, of people. Um, is there anything the men's game could sort of take from the women's game in terms of inclusivity and and how they deal with sort of homophobia? Education, I think, is key. And if you can't educate, then banning. I think if you literally remove the trouble from the ground you are going to create a better atmosphere. Um, I'm not saying that you instantly, someone's just saying, wrong, you need to ban them. I don't think that's right at all. I think everyone deserves to be educated. I think, and, and that's everyone. I mean, I learn stuff every day. And I, I don't, and you've got to hold your hand up sometimes and say, oh, I don't quite understand that. I don't get that. I don't, you know, I don't have the same point of view. Well, why don't you have the same point of view? And there's nothing wrong with having conversations with people so that people understand and that works across the board when it comes to discrimination but i think if you can't educate then you need to start removing the problem and that is banning people whether it's in the short term a season to or depending on offenses full-term full-time bans from the game yeah hopefully you know as you say we start seeing you know a bigger clampdown and you know what i would say is if you if you can't support you know, Magda Eriksson and Peniel Harder, then you can't support Chelsea and you can't support Chelsea men's team because there's going to be players in that team. There yeah. would have been players in that team that would have been gay. Yeah. So, you know, support one, support all, support the club. If not, you know, crawl under a rock somewhere uh, and be quiet. Um, yeah. Lastly, Tracy, where can people find out all about Chelsea Pride and, and sort of get involved if they want to? Okay, so we have our website, chelseapride.co.uk. Um, we have our Twitter account and our Instagram account, which is just Chelsea Pride underscore. They're both the same. You can you can email us directly from our website as well. And um, we do have a Facebook page, but that is actually a closed group. Again, that's because you can get a lot of homophobic comments online. So we do feel like we do need to give some people a safer space to be able to have a conversation. Ridiculous that you have to do that this day and age, but you still do because unfortunately there is lots of bigots out there. And I think that would be the same for any sort of group. There's always going to be people who don't like something. Definitely if you stand up for something, if you stand, even you guys, if you stand up for something, there's always going to be people going, why are you doing this? It's disgusting. Why are you doing that? And it doesn't have to be against people from the LGBT community. It could be because you're, you're standing up against racism. You're standing up against any, any form of discrimination. There's always going to be someone who doesn't like what you do. Um, and the whole point is the more we stand up and the more allies we have, the better it's going to be and the easier it's going to be to move to remove discrimination. Yeah, so we'll, we'll leave all that um, in the description as well. I encourage you to get involved, even if you know, you're not part of the LBGQ community yourself. You know, like Trace said, the more allies that we've got, Let's start getting our house in order first. Then we can start to make maybe hopefully a bigger change. I think the future is bright for, you know, the younger generations now are much more tolerant than they have been in, in, in past years. And hopefully, you know, one day soon, you know, it won't be seen to not to, not to need Chelsea pride, but um, it will be used purely for celebration rather than education and dealing with, you know, the rubbish that 
unfortunately, you do have to deal with still. Yes. Um, that's it for, for part one. Um, a good discussion, I think. Some you know, very interesting topics raised. Um, we'll carry the conversation on social media if, if people want to just get involved. Um, at Mo Kings Meadow and at Chelsea Pride underscore. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, Join us after the break. We'll be back with your Chelsea news and some transfer news as well. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Football Fancast. Welcome back to part two of Went to Mo Kings Meadow. Um, now it's time for a news roundup from Kings Meadow. It's been a long time since we played a competitive game. Uh, lots to get through this week. What's been happening, Jane? So as 2020 came to an end, lots of different places were announced in their team of the year. And as expected, they did feature several Chelsea players. London-based newspaper City AM announced their WSL Team of the Year using Carrate analysis. The team included Marimielda at right-back, Jonna Anderson at left-back, Jiso Young in midfield and Bethany England in attack. Elsewhere, the Telegraph announced their top 30 players in the UK. Ten Chelsea players made that list, starting with Anne Captain Berger at number 30, Frank Kirby at 29, Aaron Carpet at 25, Marami Elder at 21, Magda Eriksson at number 12. Then at the top 10, we had Guru at 9, Bethany England at 8, Sam Kerr number 6, Jiso Young at 5 and Peniel Harder, the highest ranked, at number 3. However, Peniel was voted for Women's Player of the Year for 2020 by World Soccer, Soccer Mag and the International Federation of Football and History and Statistics. Tracy, I'm hoping you can help us. Um... Carteret Analytics. Any idea what that is? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I will jump something in there as well. Obviously, a certain Harder managed to win also Player of the Year in her own country. So that one sort of bounced yeah. out as well because, you know, she's phenomenal and she just wins awards. Whatever country, it doesn't really matter. She's phenomenal. She's a blue, which is always fantastic. Um, so yeah, more 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 accolades for for our uh, women's team is fantastic. Jane Frank Kirby at twenty nine in the Telegraph. Um, Seriously, sort it out, please. Is it injuries played a part, or is it just still too unfair? That's just stupid quality player deserves to be top ten. That's just ridiculous. Jane, yeah, she definitely brilliant. deserves to be a lot higher. I don't know, maybe they have taken in account with her injury where she's not been playing, but she's come back. You would never have known. You would <laughs> never have known she'd been out injured for that long. Like the way she's come back, she's come back exactly the same as she, she's probably come back better than she was before. So I think she does deserve, hopefully next year or this year's lot, she'll be a lot higher. She's been phenomenal since she's come back. She's on fire. I mean, every touch is almost perfect. To be fair, come back stronger. Well, I mean, I know lives in the gym. Apparently, last first one in, last one out of the gym at at Cobham. Um, yeah, phenomenal player. To be fair, um, really don't agree with the uh, stats there. But you know, as I say this year maybe that will change. 
I mean, at least you made the top 30. Millie Bright, not even included in right. the top Don't even get players. me started there. <laughs> <laughs> that's, just, that's just really ripped this paper up. I mean, who even come up with this list? It's stupid. Let's move on to people that know what they're talking about, the Chelsea Women Supporters Group. Um, Jane, they've held some polls recently over Christmas, haven't they? Yep, yeah, on Twitter they held a moment of the year vote. It consisted of two groups of four highlights of the year. Group A, you had the 3-1 win away at City, which got 8% of the votes. Peniel joining got 34% of the votes. The Continent Cup win got 51% of the votes. And the 8-0 win versus West Ham got 7% of the votes. In Group B, we had the 9-0 win versus Bristol, which got 6%. Fans back at Kings Meadow got 16%. The 4-1 win away at Arsenal got 57%. And the Community Shield win got 21%. The top two of each group then made the final vote, which was won by the Conti Cup win with 37% of the vote. Sam Kerr and Emma Hayes were nominated for Player and Manager of the Month for December. Voting actually finished yesterday, so the winner should be announced shortly. Uh, I think it gets announced Friday. Yeah, obviously that finished Monday because we didn't record on Tuesday. Um, so uh, hopefully, Sam Kerr, fantastic month. Tracy, do you agree that she should be oh. Player of the Month? Yes, fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean, for... Everyone's sort of moaning originally there's a bit of a slow start and not much happening. Forget that now. That doesn't even exist. What what slow start? But it's, yeah. I mean, just find you're popping up in the box at the right places. Lots of different sort of goals. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we have the best manager in the world. I'm sorry, period. She's never allowed to leave, ever. Period. Doesn't need the England job. No one wants to do it. The England job's boring. No one wants the England job. To stay at Chelsea forever. Sounds like a good plan to me. Yeah. Uh, Jane, the um, supporters group vote, I think you agree that that was the, the correct choice by Chelsea fans. The Conti Cup win has to be your highlight of the year. It was where that was like the last game majority of us managed to get to. Obviously, some of us were managed to get to the one in December, but where we was all together and just to win where we hadn't won it before we were so like we was ready for it and obviously to beat Arsenal 2-1 was it was just an amazing day out and I think it's just going to stick like as a group it's always going to be a memory that we'll always remember like even though how rubbish last year was that is just going to be the highlight Tracy, were you at the game? Was it sort of I the, same the game? I was actually away at the time when they, they sorted out the date and I was already booked to be away, so I was gutted. I, I did watch it while I was away, though. I didn't actually miss it. I completely stopped my holiday to actually watch it. Um, and, and, and my partner's actually not a Chelsea fan, it's a Brentford fan, so I was like, oh, God, I've got to watch the football. Yes, you do. Seriously, it's an hour and a half. Just get over <laughs> yourself. Um, so... I did watch it and I, I was literally young. I wish I'd been there. You have no idea how much I wish I'd been there. It was a fantastic win. And yes, I think it was, it's definitely the highlights. Um, it was something that we really wanted to win. It was that one thing we didn't have. We wanted to win and we did. Um, and it was a phenomenal performance as well. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely would say it was definitely the highlights. Yeah. Um, Jane, the January is a busy month for Chelsea. It's got a bit busier as well. There's been a rearranged fixture, the one that was cancelled before December. When's that going to take place now? 
yes, obviously the Tottenham game, which was postponed due to COVID, is going to take place on Wednesday the 20th of January for 7 o'clock kickoff. And that'll be available to watch, I guess, on FA Player and maybe the fifth stand-up as well. Um, one more news story that's not in this script that I've seen online I want to quickly talk about is the FA Cup being drawn by lots. Um, now, from the men's game, I know the FA are predominantly brain-dead. Is this, is this a, Tracy, is this a real thing? Are they going to do this? Surely not. This is where we have a problem with there's the men's game and there's the women's game. Surely they can't say, well, we're just going to, don't worry about that. That's fine. You play your other games. We're just going to pick a name out of the hat and they're the winners. It's ridiculous. It would be the most stupid and most, I mean, it, I, the, the, I think they can't possibly do it. I mean, as much as they can be very, very stupid when it comes to how they sometimes do things, definitely when it comes to the women's game, this would just be idiotic. Seriously. Um, look, I get it. There's problems at the moment. I get there's COVID problems everywhere at the moment. And it's the same problem everywhere. It isn't just the women's game or the men's game. There's problems everywhere. You look at the men's the FA Cup games this weekend. There's been a lot of teams who can't play. Derby can't even play football. The whole team's got living COVID. It's definitely an issue, but I think you still have to keep it fair. And I, you, you can't start playing around with doing stupid things. Yeah, definitely take away the integrity from the competition. If they yes. decide to do I mean, you most, if you're going to do something like that, just don't have the competition. Don't. Just don't do something so stupid. It's not right. Hopefully someone takes a bang to the head and gets some sense knocked into them um, fairly soon. Um, a new little feature for January. We're going to do a transfer roundup every week. Talk about ins and outs. Um, now... We've made one signing already. Um, goalkeeper Sakira Muzovic has started training as well. She's seen her on social media recently. Um, Tracy, we've got a very strong squad, but do you think there's any areas that Emma will look to add to this month? We have got a huge squad. You I and mean, we've got. I mean, imagine the headache of having to wake up and go, "Who do I put on the pitch today?" And that's the problem we have. Don't get wrong, it's a great problem. Have you seen how strong our bench is at the best of time? Do I think we need to buy anybody? No, I just think we need to really carry on focusing on the team we've got and, and just keep going forward. I mean, to be quite honest, I think we have a phenomenal football team. I do. As you say, we just bought another goalkeeper. Yeah, pictures have been all over uh, social media. Looks fantastic. Everyone always does when they've got a, um, a Chelsea top on anyway. Um, but do I, I? I'm not convinced we need to buy. I just because if you we've already got enough quality that's sitting on the bench right now. We buy any more, you're going to have even more quality sat there. And I already sometimes think, oh my God, that player should be playing while they're sat on the bench. And I, I wouldn't want to have to pick the team. Um, so for me, I wouldn't buy anybody. And a lot of people will mostly disagree with me, but I think we should work with the phenomenal team that we have. Yeah, or let us know if you disagree with Tracy, if you want to see us sign, you know, the 2021 Player of the Year, because that seems to be a thing we're going to do now is just buy the Player of the Year every year. Um, let us know. Um, Jane, the other side of it, um, anyone you think could leave? I mean, there's three goalkeepers now. That could be a position where somebody um, is I think that with, with signing, obviously, the new goalkeeper, I think I'm full, like, I hate to say it, but it will not come as a surprise if Carly leaves. I don't think... 
and catching burgers going to leave. I don't, I don't actually know when our contract ends, but I know Carly's ends this summer, which is heartbreaking if she does go. But I think that is the only player. Maybe a few players may go out on loan, but I don't, I don't know. It's going to be, it'll be interesting to see what happens. And it's like Chase said, I don't think we need any more players. It was a shock to see Emma sign a new goalkeeper because I thought we was quite strong. We obviously have Emily from the youth team. So it's going to be interesting what Emma's got up her sleeve and what she brings out. Well, hopefully it's an interesting month. Otherwise, this segment of the podcast is going to be pretty boring. <laughs> say nothing's happened. Um, that's all for part two. Uh, before we go to a break, we've got some uh, parish notices um, to go through, starting off with our brand new Discord channel. Now, Discord is an app. It's the perfect place for match day discussions to be involved in the Chelsea FC women's community. Um, so if you download the Discord app, search for Went to Mo Kings Meadow, um, look at our socials as well. And in the description, we'll put the link to how you can join. Um, we look forward to seeing you there. We'll have discussions every match day. We'll go through the team. We'll talk about the game as it's going on. Um, could be a lot of fun if people join. If not, it'll just be me and Jane talking to each other. Um, either way. Let's try it. Um, a reminder, if you follow both the men's and the women's team to check out the main Chelsea Fancast show, um, publishing every Monday evening um, for your usual providers. They also have a Patreon account, which can help, you can find at www.patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. And if you can and would like to help support both our shows financially, you can do so there. Um, there's no obligation to. There's no tears. You can't get any special treatment. You can get a signed Kerry Dixon banner. Um, for those of you who know Kerry Dixon from the men's team, um, he's the hero of, of Chidge, our leader. Um, we have a banner in the Matthew Harding end of Stamford Bridge, um, highlighting that. Um, again, no obligation. Give us little or as, as much as you want. If we do, we love you. If you don't, we still love you. Um, now, we want as many people talking about and listening to shows about the women's team. So, this is an idea I've had is to give a plug to those podcasts that are doing, you know, the Lord's work, telling everyone about this team. Um, so you've got us, obviously your number one stop, come here first. If you still got some spare time after this, you know, check out London is blue. They actually provided me the inspiration to start this podcast. Um, they do monthly sort of special episodes about the women's team. Uh, the team at 195, when they're doing their reviews, if there's been a women's game, they're going to talk about it as well. So check them out. And the only other podcast exclusively talking about Chelsea City women that we know about, uh, Franz Fight Club. Um, I enjoy listening to them. They're a good show, so check them out. Um, if there's someone else you think should be on this list, then let me know. We'll put them in next week's um, script. We'll spread the word about them. Uh, and don't forget to check out the Chelsea Women Supporters Group on Facebook and Twitter. Um, the more supporters involved there, the better. And of course, uh, Chelsea Pride as well. Um, check them out. Uh, get involved. Uh, so that's it for, for part two. Join us after the break for part three. We'll be looking ahead to the, our game against. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea Football Fancast. Dot 
Well, welcome back to part three of Went to Mo King's Meadow. Uh, I'm joined as ever by Jane and our special guest this week, Tracy from Chelsea Pride. Now it's time to preview our first fixture of 2021, which comes against Reading this weekend. Um, Jane, talk us through the vital information about our opponents. Uh, Reading currently six, sit sixth in the WSL on 13 points. They've played 10, won three, drawn four and lost three. Of their last five games, they've won one, lost one and drawn three. They started the season with a 6-1 defeat to Arsenal, but since then their games have been very close. Against other top teams, they've got a 1-1 draw with Manchester City and lost 2-1 to Manchester United, who scored a late winner. Yeah, Reading, not a team to be taken lightly because it's been such a long time since we played the game. They're probably not the opponents you want to face at this time. Do you agree with that, Tracy? Yeah, I think... Um, because they can't, they're a dogged team, and they, as I said, there's been some draws there, definitely against who would be classed as the bigger clubs. Unlucky against Man United, I really wish that should have been a draw. Um, I think it's, yeah, I mean, it's a tough game to go back to, I think. Um, I think we're strong enough, though, personally. Yeah, what was interesting, actually, I was sort of looking at Reading's fixtures and stuff ahead of this uh, podcast, and they conceded 15 goals in 10 games. But they did lose 6-1 to Arsenal. So you take out six goals and it's nine goals in nine games. So that's one a game. That's a pretty solid defensive record. Jane, they'll be hard to break down, won't they? I think it is going to be tough. I think all games against teams in the league this season are going to be tough, no matter who you're playing. Everyone's coming out, like teams are getting stronger and stronger. And like to draw a 1-1 against Manchester City is just... Like for a team like Reading, who isn't as high up the league to like get the draw, is amazing. So I think it is going to be tough come Sunday, and I think they may they will I think they will score a couple of goals, but hopefully we will beat them. <laughs> now another interesting stat, and I love my stats. Um, every game this season, Reading have had the majority of possession, apart from the one all draw against Manchester City. They had thirty three percent. And the 6-1 defeat to Arsenal, they had 43%. Uh, Tracy, do you think Reading are going to let us have the ball like they did against Arsenal and Man City? Or do you think they're going to look to control the ball and, and have that possession of, of the game? I, As much as I think it's going to be a tough game, I think we're going to have it. I personally think so. Um, you, I'd love to see the scoreline that, that happened when they played Arsenal, to be fair. I don't think it will be that. Um, but actually, I think, I think with the team we have... Um, I can see us. I can see us keeping possession. Personally, I, I don't. It won't be easy. Um, um, definitely coming back from from a break over over the Christmas period and with um, everything being so different. Um, but I think I think we'll I think we'll just have it. Just now, in terms of sort of opposition players to watch, obviously they've got former blue uh, Deanna Cooper. Um, we all know about her. There's also the likes of Farah Williams, Daniel Carter, Emma Mitchell, and probably the biggest threat there, um, Jess Fishlock, who's on loan. Um, Jane, the midfield, I think, is going to be a key area in this game. Do you think Emma will switch to free in midfield or she'll stick with that 4 2 3 1 she's been using up to this point um, to try and maximise our attacking threats? Um, I really don't know what formation she's going to use she where she like sometimes she'll stick with the same team the same formation but then other times she will just mix it up so I I honestly do not know what she's gonna who she's gonna start and like what team she's gonna bring out and who she's gonna put in midfield I'm hoping to see Sophie and Melanie start in midfield 
maybe G as well, just to and have a like a good defensive back four, and then that attacking option as well. Yeah, Tracy, it's been obviously such a long time. Do you think Emma's had too much time, sort of overthinking things, sort of one week maybe she thinks, yeah, this is what I'm going to do, then the next week that completely changes. Do you think that's going to be something that affects Emma? Or do you think she's, you know, obviously you said she's the best manager in the world, not affected her, not affected her, she knows what she's doing, she's got a game plan? I reckon she's got a game plan. I, I think she works the team extremely hard down at Cobham. Um, I've, I've listened to several of the, um, of the players speaking about how, how much they're drilled down at Cobham. Um, I think she'll already in her mind have a game, a game plan. Again, I wouldn't want to guess the formation. Not Anytime I think I know who's going to be put out in that team, it never turns out to be who I think is going to be put in the team. Um, so I couldn't possibly guess on who's going to be. Obviously, there's certain players I do love. I'd love to see. Um, I'd love to see Wright and play. I really would. From the get-go, I just think phenomenal player. And yeah, I'm a big Sophie fan because of the Welsh side of things and my Welsh background. So I'm a big Sophie fan, to be honest. Um, yes, I think we'll wait and see what happens when the team news comes out. I mean, I'll literally be sat there just waiting for, for it to pop up on Twitter on what the team news will be. Well, I'll give you a couple of minutes as I go through my team, but I'm going to want your two teams for this game oh. after this. I've got my team ready. I've written it down. I've got my game plan. What I think is we go 4 3 3, secure that midfield. We go with Berger in goal, Bielda, Bright, Ericsson, Anderson in defence. Sophie Ingle at the base of that midfield, given a bit of extra security. I've gone with G and Cuthbert ahead of her. Now, Cuthbert had a great game against Benfica in that midfield role. Um, her tenacity, she gets into a challenge, but also she's got creativity, and we all know G's talents. I put Wrighton on the left. Kirby on the right, Bethany England in the middle. Get the balls into England, she'll score your goals. We've got a big game Wednesday, you need rotation. You, know, you also need seed in the midfield. Um, plus, you know, you've got so much quality on the bench just by picking three in up front and two of them are not Kerr and not um, Peniel Harder. So if it does go a bit pear-shaped, look at the players you can bring on to sort of rescue the game if you need to but personally I think getting that midfield solid isolating the threat of Jess Fishlock from Reading will sort of take away their top talent and we can then use the attacking threats of Wright and Kirby and, and England to, to score some goals um, who wants to go first I'll open it up I'm not going to pick someone and be, be mean you're quite honest I agree with your back line I really do I'll go for Oh, it's, I'm, I, I agree with... Yeah, my, my back line's the same. Yeah, I, and I agree with Fran and, and, and Ryan. I think I agree with them too. Either side. I love Beth. Jesus, if we've got that... It's just, there's just three amazing women to choose from. I mean, how, what do you do? Do you just flip a coin and the winner wins that? You then flip a coin again for the next... I don't... I, don't, I, I wouldn't want to be our manager. Um, as I say, I lost Sophie. I get it. She's a great holding midfielder. Well, I really do like your team pick, I have to say. I'm just not sure about Beth. And that's really painful to say. Oh, it's too much. I wouldn't want to be our manager. 
Jade, what about Cuthbert in midfield? I think that's an interesting pick, given the amount of fixtures you're going to need, you know, players like uh, Liverpool's maybe for Man City to give her, I know she had a bit of a rest, but it's a quick turnaround for the next game. Is that a midfield you would... would yes, I put... I put Erin in my team and, like, rested the likes of Sam and Peniel just because of... that. We've got... So, I think we've got... I think it's, like, six or seven games in the space yeah. of, like, three weeks there coming up. So, obviously, we need... Yeah, where we've had, like, a couple... We've got two rearranged fixtures. We're just going to need... We're going to need the strongest team for every game. So, it's just... Players are going to get playtime, and obviously, players are going to be disappointed if they're not starting. But at the end of the day, Emma needs to put a strong enough team out to be able to get to get the win. So to rest the likes of Harder and Sam for the Reading game, I don't think we will need them as much as we're going to need them against the likes of Man City coming up during the week. So I think putting Erin in would be a good shout. And Tracy, I'm going to make you make an answer on your centre forward because. Um, it's quite fun to watch you debate the two in your head. Come on, Harder it's, or England? It, Who is it? it? It's killing me. It's it's really difficult. Um, as you say, we've got so many. We have got so many games, and luckily we have a squad size the way we do, so we can rotate. And when we do rotate, we have a very strong rotation. Um, oh, I'm going to go with Harder. I think. Oh, it's tough. I might regret that in about five minutes. <laughs> it's, not, it's not like you're picking, you know, one's one's great, one's one's bad. You know, they're both. No, they are all. That's it, though. Points. They're all so good. Um, they all offer something slightly different as well, actually, in their gameplay. Um, but they're all phenomenal players. Um, hence, they play for us. Um, but it's, as I say, I have the hardest job in the world must be Emma having to pick that team that day. That, that has to be very, very difficult. Well, I think I've done it for her. So if she wants to get, <laughs> get me involved... You've got the phone to say, no, I've done it for you. Here's, here's the list. Sunday, I'm free. I'm free on Sunday, actually. Um, <laughs> just so she knows. manager right now. <laughs> yeah, what I would say on England and harder is like choosing between £10 million or €10 million. Euros, you know, the difference it's, is it's, minimal. It's Thanks sure. for Um, Score predictions... Hopefully this is easier for you both to decide a score prediction. Um, for me, three one. Reading have got some some talent, so maybe a set piece they they get a goal. But I think we've got enough quality to, to score goals as well. So not the big score lines I have been predicting at the start of this podcast. Go you know, five, six, seven, eight nil. Um, they've been wrong. So I'm going to go three one. Try and get a right prediction. Uh, Jane, what about yours? Um, I'm going to go two one. I do think Reading. I'm hoping they do only get the one. Um, but yeah, I think we'll be able to pull it back and get the win out of it. Uh, Tracy, how about you? I'm going to go 4-1. I don't normally go for big score lines, but I've got a feeling about this game, so I'm just going to go... And I would normally normally stick to like a 2-1 sort of safe option. I don't know, I'm going to go 4-1. Again, Penil. I do think they'll score. I don't want them to, but I do think they will. Peniel harder hat-trick and England off the bench to get the fourth. There you go. <laughs> Both work, so. That works. Uh, that's it for part three. Join us after the break uh, for part four, where we'll go through your 2021 wish list for Chelsea FC women. 
Arsenal fans, real opinions. For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Chelsea videos and podcasts. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play. Welcome back to part four of Went to Mo King's Meadow. Now it's time for your wish list for Chelsea FC women in 2021. Um, we asked you to complete the sentence, my wish for Chelsea FC women in 2021 is, and Jane, you've got some listener responses and answers for us to go through. Yep, so Danny's put winning the quadruple, obviously. Margaret, to be able to watch them live again. Uh, Karen, to remain major injury-free. Beth, to stay, to stay fit and healthy and also win everything. Sarah, to have our own fancy TV and YouTube channel. Kerry, Wendy and Louise all said they want to win the Champions League. Leon, to beat Leon in the semis and Wolfsburg in the finals. Dawn, to get back to normal and win everything. Nick, to uh, not prioritise any competition on fixtures before safety, health, sticking together and keeping up the team spirit. We had a few, a few from Twitter's FC in to win WSL, FA Cup, Quanti Cup, Women's Champions League and Community Shield and become the first team to win all the new w- in the new WSL era at C104051161497 to win the Champions League final at CFCW Hannah to get to the Champions League final. Yeah, a lot of good responses there. I like Danny's obviously at the end because yeah. you know, yeah, obviously. Like obviously at the end as well to be fair. And um Leon is Leon Thomas, not Leon the football team. So they don't want us to beat them in the semi-final. Well, that would be a bit strange. Um, Sarah wants a fans TV and YouTube channel. Um, I'm looking at how we get this onto YouTube. You know, don't hold your breath, but maybe we can, we record this as we speak. Um, maybe there's a way we can make a background or something. Or maybe someone can do it for us for free. I, I did. Easy. I did a video with this with um, with Karen. So and we, I just did it via a YouTube channel. Um, I literally just made up a Chelsea Pride YouTube channel and put the interview with her on directly. And we literally did it like we are now, just say a formal conversation and put it out online. So you could obviously listen to it or you could just watch it. It isn't yeah. as difficult as it sounds. To be fair. If I can't do any fancy graphics, you'll just look at the screen that I'm looking at that says <laughs> remaining time in the meeting, which I've got my eye on as well. So we've already stopped this once. Um, let's go through our wish list then for 2021. Um, aside from winning every competition, for me, is to get to go to King's Meadow. This is obviously God or someone's way of punishing me for not going sooner. Um, had my ticket for the game that got cancelled as well. I had two tickets. Um, so, yeah, getting to King's Meadow to watch a game live is my wish list for 2021. Um, Jane, what's your wish? I think I think I'm going to have to go with the Champions League final to win it. Obviously, it's another trophy that we've not won yet. So, I think that's the aim. And obviously, to get back to King's Meadow as well and just to be with everyone would be great. 
Uh, and Tracy, what would your wish for? I'm going to go with, with basically both of yours. Um, I think a to get back to watching the team because I think the crowd there it makes a huge difference. And yeah, come on, the ultimate prize of the Champions League. Yeah, I mean that if that's got to be everyone that's got in the back of everyone's mind. I know we all want fit and healthy and crowds back, but that has to be on the back of every supporter's mind. The Champions League. Yeah, I think that would be Emma's wish as well for this year to get that last little trophy that's just eluding her just a touch. Um, now, normally in part four, we have your emails that you send in. Um, we haven't had any. Not surprising given we've not played for so long. Um, if you want to get in touch, say anything you want to say about the team, the show, the latest game, you can do so by emailing us at wenttomokingsmeadow at gmail.com. Uh, just get them in by Tuesday lunchtime at the latest. I'll check my emails before we record. We'll read it out on the show, no matter what the, the topic, the subject. Uh, just as you do on the, the main Chelsea Fan Car show, if you listen to the latest one, which I was a guest on, you'll know that there was an email at the end that nobody agreed with, um, apart from the person that emailed it. But we still read it out because that's part of the part of the fun. Um, yeah, So make sure you get them in. Uh, that's all we've got time for this week. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk about that game against Reading. We'll look ahead to the game against Manchester City in the Conti Cup and the next WSL fixture versus Manchester United. Uh, James, it's been wonderful to talk to you again about this wonderful football team. Um, it says same time, same tape place next week, but a day early, so Tuesday next week. Sound good to you? Yep, I've not got anything planned in the next week. Stuck at home again, so I'm free whenever. <laughs> uh, and Tracy, an absolute pleasure to talk to you, you know, I think that first discussion in part one, you know, was was great to to speak out, and I urge everybody just to get involved with with Chelsea Pride, and you know, show that you're an ally and that you support you're a great cause. Um, yeah, so thank you for giving up your time for coming on and, and talking to us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, as far as the subject matter is concerned, at the end of the day, we're all here for one reason. We all love our football club, so all the other bigotry sort of really needs to go out the window and so we can just get back to loving that one thing we do love and that's our team in blue. That's right. And remember to follow us on Twitter at Mokingsmeadow, me at Dean Mears, Jane at Jane Chapel X. Uh, Tracy can be found at, at Chelsea Pride underscore. Is there a personal account as well, Tracy, or just that one? Yes, I do have um, Chelsea Girl 78. I think trying to think of my own handle, actually, on Twitter, to be fair. It's hysterical. I run so many Twitter accounts, I can't even remember my own one half the time. Um, yeah, it's just Chelsea Girl 78 on Twitter. Yeah, so again, uh, plus Instagram at Went to Mo Kings Meadow uh, and uh, Chelsea Pride. We'll put all those in the description. Uh, make sure you click through and follow us. And um, yeah, uh, don't forget also your emails, you know, get in touch, get your points heard. Um, they're a great part of the main fan car show. We want them to be a main part of this show as well. That's went to mokingsmeadow at gmail.com. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Until next time, Chelsea fans, from Kings Meadow to Wembley, keep that blue flag flying high. Huh?